This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody, on the Zoom, on the, uh, you know, Torah Anytime, and whichever, whichever other platform it will uh, get onto, Be'ezat Hashem. So, uh, first and foremost, I uh, wanted to thank uh, BJX, Torah Anytime, and Chazak for arranging this, and uh, for all the amazing work that they, uh, that they do. So... Okay, so the topic uh, that that I want to discuss tonight, and now, you know, Baruch Hashem, things are getting already back to normal, you know, I guess the, the, oh, the doors are opening up, and people are, you know, getting out of their shelters, you know, seeing sunlight for the first time in, like, months and weeks, so... When you come out of difficult situations, some some people have a hard time coping. Uh, it, and this is not only now, it's in any particular situation that comes across in life that some th- sometimes it's it's a little bit difficult to get up after you're down uh, or it's a little bit of get to, to like overcome some obstacles in in life. So the angle that I want to go on this, Hashem, is through... Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva had a fascinating life, and we spoke about uh, his life story, you know, in three classes. I don't know, it was like two or three years ago. Uh, tonight, I want to focus on one aspect of it on on how he overcame some challenges from the way that I learned lessons from from Rabbi Akiva's story. So, just to give a brief overview on uh, Rabbi Akiva. It, Rabbi Kiva was not someone that was born to a fortunate family, not someone that was born to riches. Um, he was born to a very poor family. Uh, he became a uh, ignorant shepherd. That was his uh, that was his job in life, you know, uh, until the age of forty. And he was working for one of the most wealthiest Jews at the time, and that was Kalba Savua. And the daughter of this wealthy Jew noticed him, and something sparked within her that said, "You know what? This guy has potential." This Akiva, he has a potential to become huge. And she goes up to him and she gives him a proposition and says, listen, if you go and if you devote yourself for Torah, then I will go and I'll marry you. Now he's thinking, you know, marrying them, one of the most wealthiest, you know, eligible, you know, bachelorettes in the entire land of Israel, something really, you know, amazing. And and initially he said no. And then we know the most famous story about Rabbi Akiva is is, is the Midrash and Avot Rabbi Natan. And the famous story is that one day Rabbi Akiva is walking past by and he sees a rock that has a hole covered in it. And he inquired, he says, what happened with this rock? And he was told that there was little drips of water that were dripping on the rock. And the thousands upon thousands, if not millions upon millions of drips of water eventually made a, uh, you know, a penetration into the rock and it, and it made a hole into the rock. And Rabbi Kiva thought, and he said, you know what? If water can make a, can penetrate a rock, then the Torah certainly could go and penetrate my heart. This is the most famous story and everybody, uh, you know, is well aware of it. But, what I want to focus on is, I think, uh, the way the, the Chidushim that, that we're going to speak about tonight is, I think, the, the focus. Why, why does the, the Midrashim tell us stories? It's not just, you know, what, okay, very nice. So I saw water, you know, water dripping. Just before we even get to, like, the point, just tell you something about Rabbi Kiva. When he saw something inspirational, he took it and put it in the bank. It's not something, you know, like you come to a class and you get inspired and be like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to leave tonight a different person. I'm going to leave tonight changed. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a better person, a better spouse, a better, you know, child, a better worker, a better boss, whatever it is, I'm going to change myself. And then you have people that hear the inspiration and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. And then also you have those people that they want to change, but they never actually do anything with it. Rabbi Kiva saw an inspiration. He saw the water dripping into the rock, and that inspired him to change his entire life. 
what a lesson that you can learn from, first of all, Rabbi Akiva. When you get inspired, do something about it. Don't just, you know, think about, wow, that's nice, maybe one day, or, or that's, you know, theoretically a good thing. Make it into practice, bring it into your own life. Now, think about how Rabbi Akiva's story went. And I really think the, the goal, really, again, is, is to focus on that story and how he branched off his entire life philosophy from that story. Now, when you look at his, the way that he started, so, at the age of 40, he marries into the most wealthiest family, one of the most wealthiest families in Israel. So you think, okay, you know, now, smooth sailing. You know, you know, he's, he's got money, you know, no more problems, he could hire whoever he needs, everything is taken care of. But then, the first hurdle came across his path, and that was that his father-in-law warned his daughter, which is, which is Rabbi Akiva's wife now, that if you go and you marry this ignorant shepherd, I'm cutting you off. You're not getting a red cent from me. So, when Rabbi Kiva heard this, he had a decision to make. I was like, wait a minute. Like, if her father is going to cut me off, then I'm just marrying another poor girl. Is this really something worth it for me to go into now? It's something that, you know, would, 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 for m- many ordinary people would start thinking, okay, you know, I came into this situation thinking that I'm going to have a lot of money, I'm going to have a lot of support, and that's how I'm going to devote myself to learning Torah. But now, I don't have that money, I don't have the support, I'm all alone. But what Rabbi Kiva did not give up, he did not decide that he, he persevered. He did not change his mind. The moment of truth, he kept on pushing it. And not only that, it's not that he had, you know, okay, so he was just not, you know, so wealthy. Rabbi Akiva, the story is Rabbi Akiva, that he, the way that he lived is that he would gather straw. And part of that straw, he would provide as his food. Other part for his clothing, and then he would sleep of it, and then he would use it for fire. So basically it's a one-shop deal of this, you know, the, his, his gathering of straw. They were, which obviously shows that, you know, money was not something that they had. His wife had to even go and sell her here to go, she had to cut her here to sell her here that they would have some money to put a food on the table. Rabbi Akiva, at this point in life, at this hurdle, he could have said, listen, you know, all right, you know, I gave up the fact that I'm not going to have any money, but not to live in such, you know, in such a poor strait. Let me go, I'll become a shepherd again. I'll go and I'll beg my my old boss for his job back, and who knows, let me go and get back to where I was before. At least a shepherd, I put some food on the table. But he did not give up. He did not go back. He kept on persevering, and he kept on going and learning Torah. And if you think it was so easy in the beginning from this learning aspect, it was very difficult. In fact, Rabbi Akiva had to start at the baby level. He started with a bunch of five-year-olds. They were learning alphabet, and he was learning alphabet. There was no tutor that he could hire. There was nobody that he could go and start learning from the basics and slowly get up. He couldn't go online on TorahAnytime.com and say, okay, you know, how are we going to learn a little bit about the Palsha? How do we learn, you know, sort of get your knowledge a little bit, you know, understanding of Judaism? He came from nothing, and now he has to go, and he has to start from the bottom. And he started from the bottom. He started with a bunch of five-year-olds. And to tell you, difficult to have a 40-year-old guy learn, a tall six-foot guy, 40-year-old, learning with a bunch of five-year-olds after, you know, he has nothing else in his life is very difficult. But Rabbi Akiva did not give up. And of course, we attribute it also to Rabbi Akiva's wife for pushing him to be able to do all these things. In fact, we know that when Rabbi Akiva came back from learning with a bunch of five-year-olds, he was, you know, was like, listen, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, everyone's making fun of me. Look at this tall old man sitting and learning with a bunch of kids. So the, his wife goes and tells him, I want you to take a donkey and put some mud on it, and it will sprout eventually some, some flowers and some grass and some weeds on its back. And eventually the donkey has had, had this, like, mud on his back with flowers. looked like it was growing out of this donkey. And the, his wife, Rachel, goes and tells Rabbi Akiva, go and take this donkey and bring it to the marketplace. And he's like, you want me to bring the donkey with the flowers to the marketplace? And she's like, yeah. He's like, for what purpose? And uh, 
she's like, you know, just, just walk around and then come home. So he's like, okay, whatever your wife says, you have to do. And he takes the donkey and he walks into the marketplace. And everyone starts looking and be like, is that flowers growing out of this donkey? And they start pointing and laughing. And eventually he walks around the marketplace and he comes home. His wife says, so what's going on? What, what happened over there? And he's like, you know, like everyone was pointing and laughing. It was very embarrassing. And she's like, oh, wow. She's like, you know what? I want you to do that tomorrow again. And he's like, all right, whatever the wife says, you know, you got to listen, you got to do. He does it tomorrow. And she kept telling him to do it day after day after day. Within about a week, she goes and tells him, so what are people saying in the marketplace? And he's like, to be honest, they're not saying anything. They're already used to it. He's like, that's the guy with the donkey and the flowers growing out of it. They're not even looking twice at it. So this brilliant wife goes to him and says, listen, just like they're, they got used to you having a donkey with plants, they'll get used to you learning with a bunch of little kids. they have used to you growing at that level. So his wife pushed him and he persevered. He went back to learning to ah. And then finally, finally, he starts succeeding. He starts mastering the basic knowledge of the Torah. And then to, to, he got to the point that he had to now move out of his town to go to the yeshiva that was by Rabbi Eliezer. Now, the yeshiva back then, it wasn't like you could just go there in the day and then come back at night. If you go there, it's a travel. You, sometimes you're traveling a week or two just to get to the yeshiva. So you, you're not going there and then coming back and that you're just wasting so much time. So people used to go there for extended period of times. And his wife sent him, sent him off and he ended up, with her permission, he ended up staying there for 24 years. 24 years he was away from his wife, he was away from his family, studying non-stop learning Torah. And he comes back after 24 years, he comes back home to his town to, you know, to be reunited with his family, with his wife. And he comes back with 24,000 students. Now, these are not online followers. or These are people that he dealt with on a personal level. Each and every single one of them was one of his students. And when, when he came back in, he was known as one of the greatest rabbis during that time. And in fact, Kalba Sabua, which was his father-in-law, came to meet him. Why did he come to meet him? He made a vow that his daughter will never ever get a red cent if she marries her current husband, which was Akiva, at that point was an ignorant shepherd. And he wanted to go and know the vow. He wanted to go and be reunited with his daughter. He wanted to go and give money with, to his daughter. But the problem was, is that he made a vow. And back then, when you make a vow, you keep to it. You have to keep to it. Today also, you also need to, obviously. And he went, and he decided he's going to go to this great rabbi, this Rabbi Akiva, he says he's going to go to this rabbi so that the rabbi could annul his vow. And he goes over to the rabbi, and rabbi, he goes over to Rabbi Akiva, he didn't know that this was his, uh, his son-in-law, and he, sa- and he gave him the whole story. And then Rabbi Akiva goes to him and says, what if you would have known that your son-in-law would have learned one thing, one Mishnah, one Halakha, learned one power, one... And Kalba Savua, his father-in-law answered, he says, if I would have known that he would have learned even just one chapter of Misha or one halakha, I would have never made the vow. I would have, you know, of course I would have provided for him. I just didn't see it happening. So Rabbi Kiva says, I am your son-in-law. And Kalba Savua was so blown away that he decided right then and there that he's giving half his wealth right away to Rabbi Akiva and his daughter. So at this point in time, if you stop Rabbi Akiva's story, he has 24,000 students. He has a ton of money. He's well off from all angles. You think at this point in his life, smooth sailing. That's it. No more hurdles. No more hardships. Everything's going to be smooth. He's at this point, he's at least, he's, he's over 65. He's over 64 years old for sure. He's going over there. And you think now is a time to go and, you know, sort of like go through the golden years of one's life. But what happened? In a period between Pesach and Shavuot, all, every single one of those 24,000 students died. All of them. You think about what that, what, what a, you know, what a trauma to, to, you know, to the rabbi who had 24,000 students and lost everything. You think about what he gave up. His previous life, Rabbi Kiva, gave up for God, for Hashem. He married a wife who gave up her previous life for Hashem, for God. He devoted his life 
for God. Now everything, everything that he worked for was all destroyed. So what would be the obvious lesson that everyone would say? I'd be like, okay, God, I get it. You obviously don't want me in this, you know, arena. You want me in a different maybe area. So fine, I'll go. I'll, this is obviously not for me. Go, maybe I'll go into my father-in-law's business. Maybe I'll go retire in Florida. Whatever it was, it feels like it's done. It's like, look how much hurdles that he had already in his life. Can you, can you blame a guy if he goes and he decides that this is not for him? But he didn't. Rabbi Akiva persevered. He kept on going. And all of that, he went and he got another five students. From 24,000 students, he got five students. Well, these five students are one of the most famous rabbis that they're written all over the Gemara. You have Rabbi Meir. You have Rabbi Nasan. You have Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai. You have Rabbi Lazar Ben Shemon. You have Rabbi Yehuda Ben Baba. You have these huge, of course, everybody knows of the famous nowadays is you have is Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai wrote the Zohar. You have these giants of people in the, in the Torah, in the Gemara, in the Mishnah. You have these giants. The question is, how did Rabbi Akiva do that? How did Rabbi Akiva get over all those hurdles? How did he go and, and persevere through this? And I think these questions are answered by that original midrash, original story that we learned about Rabbi Akiva. That at the age of 40, Rabbi Akiva passed the well, and he saw a rock with a hole in it, and he saw that water was constantly dripping in, and he decided that he's going to change his life. You want to know what, like, like the, the lessons that you can learn just from like a water dripping and dripping into a rock? Number one, let's go through three lessons. Number one is consistency. Rabbi Kiva saw something, consistency. If you want to succeed in anything in life, you have to keep on dripping. You have to keep on going. One little water at a time. His father-in-law went and disowned his wife. A little hurdle. He kept on going. He was so poor, he only had straw to live on. He kept on going. He was started learning at the age of 40 with little kids. He kept on going. He had lost 24,000. He kept on going. A little drip and a little drip is consistency. If he, he lived his life, that everything has to continue. Just like the water keeps on dripping. You want to penetrate something? You want to succeed in something? You have to keep on going. You have to keep on dripping. You have to keep on going just like that water kept on dripping. And that's what caused the rock to have a, to have a hole in it. That's the perseverance that the Rabbi Kiva had. You have Thomas Edison who, uh, you know, which, you know, everybody's very familiar that he went and he created the electric light bulb. Most people thought that he failed because he tried so many different ways and they all failed. But he didn't think about it like that. He said that he found over a thousand ways not to build a light bulb. So when you look at your failures, you can look at it, oh, this is something that I, I'm done with. Or you can look at it, okay, now I learn that this is not the way to do this. And this is, I have to change something over here and say, do something, change something over here. Rabbi Kiva used his issues, his problems in life to go and overcome them and grow from them. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a concept that's so powerful, but also so difficult. That no matter what, you keep on going. No matter how difficult things are in your life, you keep on going. No matter how, how problematic the relationships are, the health is, the panasa is, you keep on going. Nowadays, where people have so many issues coming from all different angles, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in panasa, whether it be in health, sometimes we get boggled down and be like, okay, but you know, like, God, what do you want from me already? Like, I can't. All these things. So we have to learn from Rabbi Akiva. It's one drop at a time. You look at it one day at a time, one issue at a time. Not the whole world is coming down at me. I have this issue now. Okay, let me get over it. And if I can't go over it, let me move on. Let me move past it. Learn from Rabbi Akiva. Learn that no matter what, we keep on going. Let's go on to lesson number two. And that is, many people go, and they start getting closer to Judaism. They start getting closer to learning more, or maybe praying a little bit stronger. And they say, listen, you know, I don't feel a change. Like, I don't feel connected. You know what a lesson is that you can learn from Rabbi Akiva? That every drop of Torah, every word that you're praying 
it's undetectable, but it does damage. It does something. Just like the water. When you're looking at the water dripping in the rock, one at a time doesn't do anything. But over the period of many, many years or many, many days or months or however long it takes, it does the damage into the rock and make that hole. So we're going and we're sitting down, we're learning, and maybe we don't feel that connected. Maybe we're praying and we're saying maybe we didn't get answered. Every prayer, every learning, everything is just one drip on that rock. And eventually that's going to make a damage in it and that's going to get, the rock will open up and you'll see all the blessing that's inside of it. Let's go to lesson number three. When you look at it, when you look at the water dripping, it's one water at a time. It's not gushing water. It's one drop at a time. The water drops. It, you know, it, whatever it dissipates, whatever it is when it hits the, when it hits the rock and then another one and then another one. It's looking at life about the details in life. Rabbi Akiva was known that he went through all the details. He explained every single letter of the Torah. He even explained the crowns on top of the Torah. And when you look in the Sefer Torah, there's, there's a letter and then there's a little crown that goes out of the letter. He, Rabbi Akiva was even able to expound on those letters. He looked at things behind the scenes. He looked at the details in life. He said, you know what? Look at that one drop at a time. I'm going to look at life and everything was one drop. He looked at everything and penetrated in things that nobody else penetrated before. Even Moshe Rabbeinu was, we don't, we don't have time to get to that story because I want to get to other parts of it, but even Moshe Rabbeinu went to God and says, you have Rabbi Kiva, why didn't he go and give the Torah? Look at him, he was able to expound so many things on the Torah. When Rabbi Akiva looked at the details, he looked at the details in all aspects. There's a famous, uh, there's a famous story in Midrash Tanhuma in Parashat Tazia that Ternus Rufus was a Roman gover- governor of Judea. And the, the Romans constantly like tried to like get the Jews to stop doing certain decrees. And one of the common things was, was Brit Milah, circumcision. And they made decrees that you're not allowed to circumcise anymore. But besides making a decree, they wanted to win the Jewish people over philosophical grounds, sort of an intellectual victory as well. So Ternus Rufus goes over to Rabbi Akiva and starts a debate with him. And he goes and he says to Rabbi Akiva, what are better, things that are made by God or things that are made by human being, by flesh and blood? So Rabbi Akiva says, huh? Things that are made by, by flesh and blood are much better than, than things that are created by God. And he's like, whoa, Turner Rufus says, are you serious? Look at the heaven and earth. Can you compare to what human things are? So Rabbi Kiva says, don't talk to me about things that are above what human beings can, can create. You know, these they can't control. Talk to me of things that are found upon men. So Turner Rufus goes and says, why do you circumcise? And then Rabbi Akiva goes and answers, says, I knew. Listen to this. I knew that you're going to ask me that. That's why I preempted you by the things that made our, by man are better than things that made by God. Meaning, you know how perceptive Rabbi Akiva was? So what a lesson, especially for people that deal with pe- people, it, like when people come to them and they ask them questions. It's so imperative to know this, this piece of information that you have many people that people come and ask you a question. But many times, sometimes it's, that's a question. That's a question they love. But many times there's something underlining that that's really bothering them. There's something underlining it that they really want to get to, but they're sort of masking it by this question. Or they don't want to bring that question up, so they're going in a sort of a roundabout way. Now, I'll give you an example of this. If, if a wife goes over to her husband and says, why don't you love me? Now, she is not looking for a reason. She's not looking for him. Well, you know, like, as we see over here in chapter one, part, part five, A, you don't cook, you don't clean, you blah, blah, blah. He's not, she's not looking for answers. She's like, why don't you love me? She's not looking for him to say, well, you know why? X, Y, and Z. That's why I don't love you. When she's saying, I don't, why don't you love me? She's me. What she's really saying is, why don't you spend more time with me? Why don't you go and give me more compliments? Why don't you do X, Y, and Z? She's not really asking that question. So, so there's many times that people are going and they're asking you questions, but that question is not really the question. There's something underlining that question that's really the point that you have to get to. When Rabbi Akiva was approached by Terence Rufus, he realized this question about which things are greater than man, he realized this is not it. 
He looked at the details. He looked at how Rabbi, how Turnus Rufus was asking the previous relationship. He looked at it and he said, you know what? And based on that, he gave him the answer. Going back to the story, Rabbi Akiva went, and to prove his point, he brought him cake and he brought in wheat, kernels of wheat. And he goes over to Turnus Rufus and says, hey, listen, this created from God, the wheat, and the cake is created by man. Which one do you want? Obviously, you're going to want the ones that are created by man. So Rabbi Kiva says, you see, here is better. And then Rabbi Akiva, then, then, um, then Turtus Rufus goes and says to Rabbi Akiva, if God wanted the Jewish people to be, to circumcise, then why wouldn't God, would he create the Jew, the baby circumcised? Why go create it uncircumcised so that the people have to go uncircumcised again? Just create it in the way that it's meant to be. So Rabbi Akiva responded, because God gave us the mitzvahs for, for, so that we could go and improve ourselves with them. There is a reason for everything that happens in our life. For every difficulty, for every mitzvah, for everything that there is a reason for that. God is sending that. Rabbi Kiva is looking at things in its detail. It says that every single thing has a reason. Life is a bunch of tests, and we have to go and overcome them. How do we do that? That's what we have the Torah for. That's what we have the Torah as a guide, as a guide to go and guide us on how to go and overcome these, these tests. So we might think that, you know, Rabbi Akiva, such a high level. Okay, fine. So he was he was able to like. How, how does that relate to us? And if you if you stop for a second and we even ask another question, you know, you think Rabbi Akiva. So he went through a lot in his life and he overcame everything, but he was probably really negative. You know, like after all the problems that he went through in his life, it probably brings on a negative perception on life, and that protrudes on to others as well. As you know, if anybody has ever dealt with people that are maybe you know in severe depression or has other you know issues, that when they're down, they become negative, and they're becoming negative also for other people. Not I'm not saying everybody, but it is common. It's something that people that I've dealt with, that I've seen that. So you think Rabbi Akiva had through so many problems in his life? He probably went through like you know a negative perception. Maybe he was angry. Maybe he was angry at his spouse. Maybe he was angry at his father-in-law. Maybe he was angry at God. But you look at Rabbi Akiva. You look at the story of Rabbi Akiva. There was he was only saw the good. Oh, there's a story in Makot, page 24a, that he went on one of his travels with, with the rabbis and they reached Rome. And they saw Rome and its majesty and its, you know, architecture, and they all started crying. And Rabbi Akiva started laughing. And the rabbis went to Rabbi Akiva and says, why are you laughing? And he goes back to them and says, well, why are you crying? And they respond to him and says, look at the people that went and destroyed the temple. These, the Roman people destroyed them, but look at how much success they're having. And Rabbi Kiva says, that's exactly why I'm laughing. If God goes and gives such reward to people that don't deserve it, that people that went and they destroyed the temple, imagine how much reward He will give to people that go and listen to God, and listen to the law, and keep the mitzvot. Imagine that. He went and He saw the, when people saw negative, He saw the positive. And we know another story, when Rabbi Elazar was on his deathbed, his students came to visit him. They were all crying, Rabbi Kiva was sitting there laughing. They go to Rabbi Kiva and says, why are you laughing? And he goes to them and says, why are you crying? He says, what do you mean? Look at us. We see our rabbi over here. He says, if we see our rabbi, we shouldn't cry like this. And Rabbi Akiva says, this is why I'm laughing. He says, all the days that I've seen my, you've seen, seen Rabbi Elazar over here, it was all success. He always has success in everything that he did in his life. And Rabbi Akiva says, I thought maybe, God forbid, he's getting his reward in this world. And who knows what's going to be for him in the next world. He has so much success in this world. But now I see this. Now I know that God is giving him plenty of reward in the next world. So that's why I'm happy because he's going to get the reward where the reward is really worth it. Rabbi Kiva saw the world in a different way. That no matter how much he went through, he was able to see the positive. That he was known for seeing the positive. He was known. This was something that he was known for. And I think the difference is when you look at it between looking at life through a micro level and through a macro level. Through looking at, at through the details and looking at the overall picture.
I want to share with you another story from Rabbi Akiva. And that is another famous story from Rabbi Akiva. And that was, he was on his way to a certain city. And the sun was going down, and he had to go and stop by a, a, you know, in his travels, he had to stop by an inn. And he went from inn to inn to inn to inn, to hotel to motel, to everything. They were all sold out. There was nothing. He had no other option. He couldn't go, you know, rest anywhere for the night. So he decided he's going to go into the woods. With him, he had a candle, he had a rooster, and he had a donkey. So the candle, so that he could learn to lie at night. He had the rooster, so that it will wake him up in the morning, and the donkey, which he was able to ride on. Then what happened? A strong wind came and blew out his candle. Rabbi Akiva said, Kol man da'avid which translation means everything that God does, God does for the best. He goes, and then a wild animal comes out and eats his rooster. And he says, Kol man da'avid everything that God does, God does for the best. And then what happened was another animal came and ate his donkey. He lost everything. And he said, Kol man da'avid everything that God does, God does for the best. That's the, that's Rabbi Akiva's perception. Look at look, look at the, the the concept that we stop over here for a second. Be like, no matter what happened, Rabbi Akiva was able to stay positive. Rabbi Akiva was able to go and overcome it. You want to know what the difference over here is? So Rabbi Akiva, when he was looking at life, he was looking at life in the details, and he was looking at life in the whole picture. When he looked at life in the details, he saw every little detail of what he has to go on. He had to go into it, and then he went through hurdles. He went through problems. He went through issues. Instead of looking at the details, that in that point, he switched it. He looked at it at a macro level. He's like, listen, I don't see the details over here. I don't know why the candle over here was taken out. I don't know why the rooster here was, was killed or my donkey was killed. But I know one thing that called man David Rahman al-Tavavid. Everything that God does, God does for the best. I don't see the big picture. I don't know. I don't, but it's all for the best. And what happened the next morning? The next morning he wakes up and he goes into the town and he sees the entire town is ravaged. There was a... Grain of like bandits that came through town and they destroyed the town. Who knows how many people they killed and what they plundered and what the damage that they did. And all of a sudden Rabbi Kiva saw that if he would have had that candle, then the robbers, the bandits, they would have been able to see there's somebody in the forest. If he would have been able, if he had that rooster, the rooster would have made noise. The donkey would have made noise and he wouldn't, he would have, his hiding would have been given up by the robbers and who knows what damage it would have done. So now he sees, he could see it straight out that everything that God does, God does for the best. We might not see it now. But eventually, when you look at the big picture, when you look at the macro picture, you'll see that everything that God does, God does for the best. Now, this is very interesting. The Rabbi Akiva, when something bad happened, he said, Because we know that Nahum Ishgamzu was Rabbi Akiva's rabbi. And Nahum Ishgamzu, when bad things happen, he used to say, Gamzu This too is for the best. So there's two different variations of the wording. Rabbi Akiva says, everything that God does, God does for the best. His rabbi would says, this too is for the best. And the famous story of where his rabbi said this is that Nachum Ishgamzu was once sent to Rome to persuade the Roman emperor to be more kindly to the Jews. So they sort of tried to bribe or give, let's say, give a gift to the Roman emperor and they filled this, this, this huge like chest with filled with gold and diamonds and jewels and just precious items to go and give to the emperor. And Nachum Ishgamzu takes his chest and he stops by an inn. And he gives it to the innkeeper says, can you watch it for me until I check out? And then I'll take it, uh, you know, with me. And the innkeeper says, yeah, sure, we have a place. We'll, we'll lock it up. The innkeeper takes a chest, locks it up, and shows, you know, Nachamish comes into his room. Then the innkeeper starts thinking, he says, you know what? I wonder what's inside this chest. 
And his curiosity got to the better of him, and he opened, he got the, he jiggled the lock, opened the lock, and he was able to see what's inside the chest. He opens it up, he sees it's filled with diamonds and jewels and gold coins, and he got so tempted that he couldn't hold himself back, he grabbed all the diamonds, all the jewels, all the, all the valuables, took it for himself, and filled the box up with dirt from his backyard. Nachamish Kamzu checks out the next morning, and he says, can I have my chest? And the innkeeper says, yes, of course. He saw the lock was still on there. Nachamish Kamzu takes it and keeps on his travels. He gets to the emperor, and he goes to the emperor, and he says, we brought, the Jews brought you a gift, my dear emperor, to, to, you know, to show you how much we appreciate you. And the emperor's like, wow, I saw, you know, saying thank you so much. He opens up this box, and inside the box, he sees it's full of dirt. He's like, are you kidding me? This is what you're giving me? They throw him immediately into, into the dungeon. And Nachomish Gamzu says, Gamzu Tova, this too is for the best. And he's sitting there in the, you know, in the dungeon. And meanwhile, one of the emperor's, you know, um, servants goes over and says, listen, you know, this guy is a Jew that came and gave you this stuff. Maybe he has this special dirt. There's a legend story that comes from his ancestor, Avraham Avinu, that he went and he was fighting a war and he took dirt and he threw the dirt and when the dirt, every speck of dirt turned into a missile, a rock, a spear, a knife, an arrow, and it, with that he was able to overcome his enemies. And the emperor said, you know what? He says, you know, I'm actually in the middle of war with a certain country that I'm not able to, you know, it's sort of in a stalemate. I'm not able to go and win them. So maybe let's try to use this dirt. They go and they bring this to the front lines. And they take one of the soldiers, takes it and throws the dirt. And that's what happens with the dirt. The dirt splits every little speck of dirt, turns into bows and, you know, arrows and missiles and who knows what. And with, within a short period of time, they were able to go and annihilate that and win that battle. Then they come back, you know, to Nakamish Gamzo, and he says, oh, he says, you know, this is unbelievable what you get, I'm so sorry, and they went and they filled, they emptied out the dirt, they kept it, that precious dirt, they kept it, and they, they went, and they filled the chest up with precious diamonds and gold and jewels, and they went back to, uh, to, to give it to Nakamish Gamzo, and he went back home. Now, uh, the story ends, you know, very interesting, but we're not gonna get to that now. The question is like this, so Nakamish Gamzo, he went, in a situation, he said, he said that everything God does, God, God does, is, this is for the best. Rabbi Akiva, his, his student, used a different expression. Not only that, so we have two questions over here. Number one, why did the rabbi use it in one expression, and his student use a different expression? That's question number one. Question number two is the rabbi said, why? Nachumish Gamzu said, this too is for the best in Hebrew, in Lashon HaKodesh. However, Rabbi Akiva, he says this in Aramaic, called Manda Avid Rahmanad he said in Aramaic, why did the rabbi say it in Hebrew? And why did the student say it in Aramaic? And why didn't they say the same thing? So the answer is, is that Nachumish Gamzu was the rabbi. He was on a, he was on a, he was on a high level. He was on a level that he was able to go, he had the power that he could influence even the events. That, meaning that the action that was bad, he was able to see that it's good. Meaning that the dirt that he gave, and now he's in the judgment. He says, Gamzul this dirt is going to be for the best. Meaning that from this, I will see that it will be the best. And that's what happened. He saw the very sand, the very soil that put him in prison, made him leave prison with wealth and jewels and praises. Meaning that Gamzul this bad thing will turn into good and he will be able to see it. He'll be able to feel it down here below. Rabbi Akiva was in the following generation, a generation where the world was not the same. And what did Rabbi Akiva say? Kol man da'avid Everything that God does, God does for the best. Meaning that I don't know if I'm going to see it right now, but I know one thing, that everything that God does, God does for the best. Whether I see it or whether I not, whether I don't. Meaning that if something really good does come out of it, it's sort of an indirect cause of, of how the good happened. And that's what see what happened. That even though Rabbi Akiva lost his candle, his rooster, 
and his donkey, the fact that he lost it, that came his his salvation. However, the the good itself didn't come from the dead donkey or from the the extinguished light or from the rooster. The the good came that because of that, there was an indirect cause that saved him afterwards. So it's a different level. So that's why they were on a, they were on a different level. Now, what what why is this so important? That Rabbi Nachum Gamzu said it. This is going to be for the best. I see that Gamzu Tova. Rabbi Kiva says, Kolmand, everything that God does, God does, is everything God does, God does for the best. Now, the question that we asked is that what is the difference that Rabbi Akiva did it in, in Aramaic and Nechamish Gamzu did it in Hebrew, in Lashon HaKodesh? And back then, the answer is that back then, the, the Lashon HaKodesh was, was being spoken by what? By the people that were the rabbis, the scholars. They spoke Lashon HaKodesh. The rest of the people, they spoke Aramaic. That was the common language. Nachamish Gamzu was on a high level saying that Gamzu Tova, everything that happens is for the best. This is, this too is going to be for the best. This aspect of it is going to be for the best. He was on a high level. This were the scholars, the sages of the generation. They were able to say Gamzu Tova. Rabbi Akiva's focus was a little bit different. Rabbi Akiva's focus was for the common people. Not only for the, not for the high sages. Rabbi Akiva says, no, no, no. He says in Aramaic for the people, this is something that the people could actually go and work on and live on, and they can live up to this. This is not something that's too far. This is something that each and every single one of us has the capability of going and saying. And that is, call man da'avid rachmanala ta'avid. Everything that God does, God does for the best. And it's interesting. You know, the Shulchan Aruch actually brings down, call man da'avid rachmanala ta'avid. That's what a person's supposed to say. Everything that God does, God does for the best. Now you look at it, look at how Rabbi Kiva lived his life. He, he looked at the macro level and he looked at the micro level. He looked at the large picture and he looked at the small picture. When you look at the story where we started with the rock, you had the water dripping. Each single drip of the water, that's the micro. That's looking at every single detail. That's Rabbi Akiva going and dissecting the Torah and going and looking inside and being able to expound every single letter and every single crown of the Torah. Looking at every single detail. When if someone comes into him, he looks and says, okay, what is really this person's asking me? What do I really need to answer? What do I really need to do in this situation? Looks at the details in life. That was the water dripping. Then let's look at the rock. The rock, if you're looking at it, every single detail, you're not going to see anything. But you look at it at the macro level, you look at it at the big picture, that after all those drips of waters, every single drip, one after another, uh, time and time again, all of a sudden you see the good. You see that after all those bad little drips, eventually there's the hole that opened up the bracha, the blessing, inside inside that rock. Rabbi Kiva, and this is where I think, this is the chidush that when I was like, you know, I, I love the story of Rabbi Akiva, and I, we went through it, you know, so many times. But when you look at it, that there's something that comes out when you're able to go. And I always wondered, what was the story? The water dripping and that changes life. It really bothered me of like, why is this the story that this is like the famous Rabbi Akiva story? And I really think because this is the philosophy of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was able to, again, this is my own chidush. So again, take it or leave it. But I really think this is, uh, this is Emet. You go and you look at it, the small details, the little water that's dripping down every single one of us. When we go, you want to succeed in life? Number one, consistency. Get that constant dripping of water. Number two, look at the details in life. Look at that. When you look at the details, even the details you could appreciate so much. Yes, unfortunately, we lost so many great people, so many family members, so many people are going through struggles now, so many people are going through panasai issues, so many people are going through relationship issues, which is true. And we should deal with those issues. But at the same point in time, let's look at the details in life. Let's look at the other details. That Baruch Hashem, we're slowly getting out of it. That Baruch Hashem, the Minyanim are opening up. That Baruch Hashem, we're able to go and learn Torah online. There's so many things that yes, while it's difficult, Let's look at the other details, the details of the positive. 
And then at the same point in time, let's look at the big picture. And that big picture really brings us to the level of kol man da'avid rachman al-tavavid. That everything that God does, God does for the best. We don't know. We see the problems, we see coronavirus, we see the people losing panasa, we see people dying. We don't know, but we know one thing. And that is that everything that God does, God does for the best. And with that, we'll open up with questions. Okay. All right, if we don't have any questions, then we'll end it off. If anybody has questions, you can either unmute yourself or you could write it up in the Zoom chat. Love it. Okay, whenever I don't have any questions, so either one of two things. Either no one understood anything I said, so nobody even knows what to ask, or it's so clear you don't even ask any questions. I'll make believe that it's so clear and you don't have any questions. So with that, I want to wish everyone a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, a, a most amazing, uplifting Chag Shavuot, a Chag that we could really connect to God, to the Torah, and to our families. And with that, I bid you a good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.